minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Andrew Murdinger. I am here with Gage Bridgeford, who is not my normal partner, but I am sure as heck excited to, to, to be joining you today. So how's it going, Jay? How's it going, Gage? It's going well, Andrew. Glad to have you filling in. Uh, yeah, Mike, my usual uh, Sunday co-host, is uh, under the feeling a little under the weather today. He said his voice sounds like Doc Rivers, so I said, okay, go ahead, take the day off, and I'll find somebody else to fill in. And so, luckily for me, Andrew said, hey, I got some time. Let's uh, go ahead and some talk, talk some Packer football. Yeah, and it's exciting to mix it up once in a while, um, and I'm certainly glad to get rid of Kyle anytime that I can. But uh, you know, hopefully Mike's feeling better, and, and you guys will be back at it next week. But Today we wanted to take a look at some potential cut candidates who could be available for Brian Gutekunst and the Green Bay Packers in a few weeks. Uh, we're It's crazy how close to free agency we really are um, and how fast this offseason has been going. But we, we are each going to take three players and talk about their f- potential fits with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm going to let you get started, Gage. All right. So my first cut candidate is a guy from the Buffalo Bills. It's a guy right. that he's a position that it's a he's a plays at a position that Green Bay has looked at before, which is what's wide receiver. And they drafted they have Stephon Diggs, who obviously had an amazing year last year. Cole Beasley uh, really showed well, and if it weren't for an injury late in the year, had a really good year rolling. They drafted Gabe Davis, uh, I think on day three, and I was a big fan of that pick because I really liked him, and he he came and he had showed some flashes throughout the year. There's a guy by the name of John Brown, who that's a guy I know Green Bay fans have looked at before. Uh, and I think that he's a possible cut candidate because they are currently just one. They have one mil of room above the cap right now, and they have some big free agents in the form of uh, it's uh, Daryl Williams, and then one of their other starting offensive linemen, then uh, linebacker. Their starting linebacker uh, are all free agents right now. John Brown makes is scheduled to make nine point five million against the cap next year, and they can cut him for just one point six mil dead cap, so save seven seven point nine million dollars. And for a team that's over the cap, that is a huge, huge move. And so I think Brown could come in and he – because he's a, he's a speedy guy. He's John Smokey Brown, but he doesn't just do exclusively like deep route stuff. So I think that he might be able to give Green Bay kind of that underneath style receiver that they've been looking for. He's 31, so he's a little bit longer in the tooth, but that's okay because Green Bay's in a win-now type window. He's 5'10", 179, can play out of the slot and can line up outside. So I really so I like the fit there of him in Green Bay. What do you think about that, Andrew? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting fit. John Brown certainly brings something new to the Packers wide receiver room. Um, and, and the ability to get a veteran presence, I think, is is really important for that unit because, you know, MBS and Alan Lazard are, you know, they started really stepping up at the end of the year. So you want to to have somebody that you know is going to be able to contribute if you're going to invest free agency dollars into those players. Yeah, you'd ever want to go out in a free agency and spend money on John Brown, who probably won't cost a whole lot just because of his age and he has dealt with injuries the past few years. But you can go get him. He can be affordable. He can help round out your room, give you some more depth in the event that somebody does go down with an injury throughout the year, and he will be productive when he's on the field. And plus, coming to Green Bay, he wouldn't be required to be one of your one like 
top two guys. He'd probably be wide receiver three, four. And then maybe that reduce his risk of injury. He doesn't get banged up as often, doesn't get hit as often. Playing with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who can, who is one of the best in the NFL at keeping his receivers out of harm's way. That's something that not a lot of quarterbacks do, but Aaron, we've seen it since he came into the league. He's not really going to throw you into a spot where you're going to get rocked. He, and if he does, and if he sees somebody bearing down on you, he'll throw the ball low so that way you can get down and get out of the way. So I, I think John Brown's a interesting player. I if he didn't get cut from Buffalo, I'd kind of be a little surprised just with Gabe Davis being there, Cole Beasley playing well, and Brown brings something really similar to Davis, and they need money. Like They need money, and he's one of the most obvious candidates to uh, be released this offseason. So, Brent, uh, Andrew, who's your first uh, possible target here? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Giovanni Bernard from the Cincinnati Bengals. He's always been incredibly productive. You know, it, he's well known for being a great pass catching back. Certainly anybody who has played fantasy football over the last six or seven years knows all about Bernard and his PPR value. Um, but he's also a solid runner between the tackles. He's 29. So, yeah, he's a little bit older for a running back. Um, but he has been a part of a lot of bad teams in Cincy. And the Bengals may be looking to move on from some of their veteran contracts, even though they're under the cap um, by a decent amount. They may be looking to, uh, you know, move on. Give, give some younger players a little bit more experience and then also be one of the few players in free agency this year. Um, they're, they're certainly under a rebuild right now. Um, and then, you know, from Gio's perspective, he could be looking for a cheap veteran deal if he was released and the Packers would be a really good landing spot for somebody who, quite frankly, is a really versatile player. And of course, we know Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, both free agents. I think Bernard could be a really good complement to A.J. Dillon's skill set. Yeah, and plus you uh, left out a major piece of the the Bengals aspect. They have Joe Mixon, who they just handed a brand spanking new contract to last year. Uh, his like He like dealt with an injury for the majority of the year, so he kind of flew under the radar. People kind of forgot about him, but he got a, he got a five-year deal worth, I believe, $40 million, I think was what the uh, – no, $50 million is what it ended up being. Looks like four years, $50 million. So he got a big contract handed to him last year, and that's the guy. That's the guy that you want to be your franchise running back if you're the Bengals. So you can save money by moving on from Bernard. You can draft a rookie to kind of take some snaps off of Mixon so that way you don't just run Mixon into the ground. And it saves about four mil. And I think the Bengals have a lot of guys, like you said, some of the older veteran guys that they might look to move on from. Yeah, they're over the cap, but at the same time, they – I think they're ready to hit the reset button with a core of Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and uh, like Jonah Williams, that group on offense. T. Higgins also. This is really, I think, reset time for the Bengals, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bernard and some of these other older veteran guys get cut this offseason to really fully lean into the tank. I don't like. I don't want to say it's a tank because that's not 100% what it is, but it'd be kind of the reset. Let's clear the books. Let's get rid of these older guys, and let's start a new uh, kind of thing. I'm going to go to my second guy. My second one is – it's another receiver. I know, I know. And this is another one where, we're, unlike unlike John Brown, I would be – the idea that this guy gets cut is a little surprising. It's James Crowder of the New York Jets. James Crowder, one, fills a role the Green Bay doesn't have. He is a pure slot receiver. That's, that's his role. That's what it's been since he came into the league with Washington. He is a – PPR monster, like Andrew said, if you play fantasy, you know all about him. He's 5'8", 185, so he's a small, dense guy, but he catches just about everything thrown his direction. He was 
he was looked at consistently for Sam Darnold and whatever quarterback they had under center while he's been in New York. He make the big thing about him is we don't know if he's going to get cut. Like yeah, he the, he makes a ton of money, but the Jets have the second most cap space in the NFL this season at seventy seven million dollars. And James Crowder is their most expensive player. He's scheduled to make eleven point three mil is this cap hit. You can cut him. They can cut him for just one mil of dead cap. It makes a lot of sense to move on from him just from the standpoint of, well, let's go ahead and save some money and let's figure out, let's try and allocate this really go with a younger team because Crowder is, he's 28. This team is not going to compete next year with him under contract. And what they should have done is they should have traded him last year to try and get something from him rather than just trying to cut him this offseason. And granted, they still have the opportunity to do that, to opportunity to do that, but I don't think they will. I think that they either keep Crowder or just flat out cut him. I don't think that there's, I just, it's one of the, it's a weird guy. It's a weird move compared to some of the other guys we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And what I really like, I, I've been saying for a while, your wide receiver room should look like a basketball team, right? You want different guys with different sizes and different skill sets, um, to be able to produce in different ways. And what the the Packers have really missed is that point guard type guy. They tried it with Tavon Austin. It didn't really work out, um, at least not the way that they were hoping for this year. And I know fans have been clamoring for a long time for that small shifty guy. And we just, we, we haven't, really seen it since Randall Cobb. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned two players that I think would be really interesting while, while they have, um, different skill sets, I would say, I think John Brown and James and Crowder both could be really great fits and both being veteran presence, uh, a veteran presence are going to be able to develop that relationship with Aaron Rodgers pretty quickly. So I'm going to flip over. We, we've been talking offense a lot, and I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. Um, a guy I'm going to keep my eye out on is Quan Alexander, uh, most recently of the Saints, at least for part of 2020. He's an absolute slam dunk to get cut because the Saints have to unbury themselves from the salary cap disaster that they're currently in. And I just want to say for the record, the Saints can't just move all of their money from 2021 to 2022 like their very, very sensitive fan base was trying to point out to me when I, I happened to make some suggestions of what they could do to get under the cap. No, Andrew, just they so can you move know, it. Gage. They could just move it. The cap's not real. It's fake. You can just move all the money to the future. That's that's what I've been told. I was told that by people they're, yesterday, and I was like, cool, thanks. Their fan base is very, very touchy about the subject. So, like, don't even point out that they're in a bad salary cap situation. I will say the one the, the one difference between them and, like, Philly, who are the two, both teams that are just in cap hell, is New Orleans fans are upset that they have to get under the cap because they have good players. Philly's like, yeah, we can get under the cap. All we have is bad players. So like they like Philly is okay with it. They're like, yeah, we got to cut bad people. That's fine. New Orleans fans are upset because they're going to lose good players. They're not cutting guys that are bad. They're cutting good players is the problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but Quan Alexander is a really easy decision for them. He has no dead money on his deal at all. So he'll be looking for a new home in 2021. He signed that massive free agent deal with San Francisco following a really great stretch of play uh, with Tampa Bay. And he's largely been a disappointment during this uh, second contract. And he's still a highly athletic linebacker. He brings a lot as a coverage player. Um, the Packers could use definitely use some veteran experience behind Colin Martin, Chris Barnes, etc. So 
he could be looking for a one-year prove-it deal. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe he he signs that one-year deal and then tries to cash in on a really good season um, in 2022 when there's more money floating around. I'll say this. If he does try and do that one-year deal thing, he ain't coming to Green Bay. If I Like, if I'm him, I'm going somewhere with a bad defense. Like, if he's trying to do the one-year thing, I'm going somewhere that has a bad defensive line and just trying to rack up a ton of tackles. Because for whatever reason, tackle linebackers get paid points in Blake Martinez's general direction. <laughs> I, that That is definitely a fair point. I was I was thinking more of the get, get in on the rotation, be really like a third down backer, make some big plays in some playoff games, get noticed, and then get overpaid that way. But I, I think I think the tackle numbers point is is a very good one as well. You're right. He should try and go catch on somewhere and just play with a good team. But w- will he do that? Especially considering there are teams with too much money that they don't know what to do with. Like, there's a lot of bad teams that have a lot of money right now. And they could very easily, like, let's see, uh, Jacksonville could very easily say, hey, do you want to come play linebacker next to Miles Jack? We just, or, or the Jets could say, hey, do you want to come play linebacker next to CJ Mosley? Both of those things are possibilities. And, whether or not that happens is a different story, but because he when he went to New Orleans, he did play a rotational role. He was not he was not a lead guy. He was the second linebacker behind Demario Davis, who played basically 100 percent of the ta- snaps in just about every game. Quan played 100 percent of the snaps in the in just one game while he was there and played 90 percent in a couple of games. So I like the Quan Alexander idea because I think he rounds out Green Bay's room. And if Green Bay can get him for cheap, I would love to have him. Uh, just to really give a, one a better presence, and two, he does bring a different flavor. With Barnes and Martin being a little a little thumper-ish, uh, Alexander's definitely not that type. He is more of a run and chase type of guy. We're gonna stay with the Saints, and it's another guy that Packer fans have had their eye on in the past. Uh, he he's a ver- he's a versatile player. He's physical, has some size to him, and he definitely is at a position that uh, Green Bay should look to address. Uh, by the way, it's not Taysom Hill; it's Janoris Jenkins. <laughs> Uh, cornerback, I know all of you were waiting with bated breath there. It's Janoris Jenkins, uh, who's a li- long in the tooth. He's 33, um, but he plays a position of need, and he costs too much money. The Saints, again, similar to how Quan Alexander costs too much money, his, this deal is a little more expensive to get rid of because you have some dead cap, but the Saints are just trying to get under the cap. They have to get under it. They, they can't stay above it. There's nothing they can do. Janoris Jenkins is worth 14.2 mil against the cap. Uh, they can cut him for 7.2 dead cap, so they save seven million dollars. That's so between Quan and Janoris Jenkins, that's 20 million dollars that you're now under. So now they only have 28 million more to go. I don't know how they're going to get there. These restructures are going to be interesting to see. I think Michael Thomas is a guaranteed restructure type candidate, but Janoris Jenkins, he plays corner. He's a guy that Green Bay fans wanted last year when he got cut from the Giants. Uh, yeah, he was with the Giants, and then he went to New Orleans and caught on there as a like late-season Merck-type player and then got a new deal for some reason. I thought he was a below-average corner with the Saints when he signed there, and they gave him a new deal. So what do I know? I think Jenkins gives you a physical corner opposite Jair, and he's Jackrabbit Jenkins. He's He's got, a, he's got a good amount of speed, especially if you compare him to Kevin King. They're both physical corners, but Jenkins has a little bit more speed. He's only 5'10", so he does kind of get outmatched in terms of the height. But um, if you can just allow him to play aggressive at the line of scrimmage where he can be physical, because similar to a guy you and I talked about before we got started, Andrew, was uh, J.C. Horn, the uh, rookie corner out of uh, South Carolina. 
Janoris Jenkins is fine until he starts to get beat, and that's when he gets a little grabby. J.C. Horn, obviously, same way. J.C. Horn's fine if you let him be physical and if he can get to you at the line of scrimmage. But once you start getting past him, he gets a little grabby. So I think Jenkins is going to be a cheap guy, and this corner market is not really good. Uh, I don't really love the draft for corners either. So for Green Bay, who is probably going to be looking for a second corner opposite Jair Alexander, I think Jenkins is not the worst guy that they could look to bring in. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Yeah, and I think if, if Joe Barry is going to try to model the Green Bay defense after what the Rams have been doing and really put Jair out there on an island and roll coverages over, um, you know, the the second cornerback and, and the slot and really working to disguise coverages, I think a veteran presence would be really, really valuable at that second cornerback spot. And a guy like Janoris Jenkins that that has proven that, that he can do it at the NFL level um, for quite a while would, would be a really interesting pickup. Uh, I'm going to stay in the secondary and I'm going to go uh, with LaMarcus Joyner from the Las Vegas Raiders. He he has definitely not lived up to the big contract he signed after he was very productive with the Rams and the Raiders may be inclined to move on this offseason. He brings a lot of versatility. He can play both safety. He can, he can drop down and play slot corner and the Packers have really struggled to find that third safety and I think Joyner could be really excellent in that role. And another thing that I was thinking about, I just mentioned Joe Barry. He was coaching linebackers when Joyner was on the Rams for the 17-18 season. So there is a lot of familiarity between the two. Joyner is the type of player who could allow Adrian Amos to play in the box more, maybe give Darnell Savage a little bit more freedom to roam the field. And the versatility of those three would be incredibly fun and give the Packers some insurance if you have Amos or Savage miss any time. Yeah, and especially because there's a lot of teams that are trying to go to that three safety look occasionally where it's you've got that third safety kind of roaming around the field. I know that's what we wanted Darnell Savage to really do and really get into. And he did it on a couple of occasions last season. And I thought that when he really got to kind of play free and play open and get to really roam around the field was when he played at his best. So if you want to say, hey, we're going to have Joyner play the traditional free safety and Amos play traditional strong and Darnell, you're just going to go around and just make plays on guys or Savage are going to play the free safety and Joyner can do some slot cover. He can slide out and cover that type of guy. I do. So I do, I do agree with the Joyner call. I know that he was a guy that I kind of was hoping green Bay would have targeted a couple of years ago. I'm kind of looking, looking back. I'm like, Hey, that's not the worst thing that we didn't miss him just because he's kind of dealt with injury and just hasn't lived up to that hype. But I also think part of the reason he hasn't lived up to the hype, he's playing in a much different like type of system. You go from playing in, in LA where they had, 
just Aaron Donald and a bunch of other athletic freaks up front, and you had good linebackers, and you had Jalen Ramsey's an elite corner, and then you go to play in Vegas slash Oakland, where they their best pass rusher was uh, not even wasn't Arden Key, wasn't Cleveland Farrell, who they invested the fourth pick in. It was Max Crosby, who was like a fifth round pick, and then your your corners are Damon Arnett, and then who was the other one? Who's the they just took a Clemson corner, right? Trayvon Mullen. Who Correct. Trayvon Mullen, I think, has played really well, but Arnett has been a disappointment, dealt with injuries all throughout his rookie year. So I think Joyner is a good uh, good option, good possibility to get cut, too. They're only three mil under the cap right now. He makes 11.2 this year, or they can cut him and save 8.7 mil this year. and that So that's a big move. And I think the Raiders are going to be one of the, the movers and shakers this offseason. There was another guy you and I had talked about as a possibility to discuss today was Trent Brown. Uh if Trent Brown plays on the Raiders next year, I'm going to be stunned. The guy makes 14 mil is his cap number, but he's made it clear in the last couple of weeks he doesn't want to be there. It's the play for the name on the back, not the one on the front. Everyone wants to call him selfish and stuff. And to that, I have to say, Trent Brown got put in the hospital when a team doctor punctured his lung. Like it wasn't it like punctured his lung during pregame? Wasn't that him also? Like I know that happened to Taylor, but didn't that also wasn't that also the Trent Brown thing? He was getting an IV pregame. Uh, I did not know about that. I, de- I definitely knew about the Terod Taylor one, yeah. but uh, yeah. So he was so he was hospitalized following a what they call a mishap during pregame uh, mishap medical procedure. Uh, IV caused air to go into his bloodstream, so that's what had happened. So oh, wow. whoever was putting in his pregame IV messed up. So people want to be mad at him. You you guys put him in the hospital and. He has a right to be mad at you, just like Tyrod Taylor had the right to be mad at the Chargers for puncturing his lung during pregame. So I don't know that, like you, kind of like you said that we agreed, like he wasn't really a target. Was he doesn't really fit the mold of what Green Bay is looking for in a tackle. But I mean, if I'll say this, if he called Green Bay and said, "Hey, I want to come play for you guys just because I want to try and win a championship, and I'll go play right tackle if I have to," and he's willing to play for cheap, I'm not going to say no. Right. And I, I think, you know, you, you, you know how much Matt LaFleur wants to establish the run. Well, there's few players in the league who, who have the size and physicality that Trent Brown does. So if you want to run off right tackle, if he's playing there, um, you know, he's going to make an impact and, and make the defender move. In well, that he was case. playing and right so, tackle actually for the Raiders. Like he was playing right tackle because they had Colton Miller on the left side. So there wouldn't be the transition of switching sides type of thing. It would just be a matter of is he willing to play for cheap enough to go there? Yeah, and he, he's the kind of guy who, you know, the ground shakes when when he starts moving forward. And so Six, opening eight, up those 355. holes. 355. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> like good, good luck getting around that. You, and, you know, you, you slide Billy Turner next to him, and um, you'd have a fun right side of the line. Yeah, that's that's a that's a healthy right side because Billy Turner for he's he's not a he's not a skinny guy. He's not he's not large, but he's not. He's not a scrawny guy either. So if you had that as your right side, you got Debach and Elton on the left side, and then uh, Lindsley maybe or whoever else you put at center. That could be a really good offensive line because you want to keep that a strength. So I re- so I really like the idea of keeping that a strength. And I know we didn't say Brown as one of our six guys that we went through, but I'm not going to turn him away. I'm not going to say nope. We don't want you. Absolutely, he's he's a really interesting name. Anybody else that you wanted to add to the list? Uh, not that I can really think of. I mean, there's a couple of names that I had looked at before we got started, like Carlos Dunlap, the pass rusher for Seattle, who he makes too much money, and they're just barely under the cap, so they need to move as well. He doesn't really fit with Green Bay because he's more of a traditional 4-3 uh, 
uh, 4-3 rusher. You can have him as a 3-4 stand-up. And I love his length, and I'm sure that the Packers will love his length and athleticism, but he's not really he's not really the the build that they generally go for. Like, obviously, you have Zadarius and Rashawn, who are both kind of, like, they're sturdy guys, and Preston's not, he's not scrawny by any means, but by, compared to those two guys, he is a little bit. So I think that I, Dunlap's an interesting guy that I think will get cut, and I almost think that he's a guaranteed, like, he's going to go catch on with a ring chaser. He's been around the league for a long time, and he's never really had a ton of success because he was in Cincinnati forever. He's been there for so long. So I think that he could be a very strong candidate to go try and catch on either in Green Bay or uh, Buffalo, maybe Tampa Bay if they need an extra edge rusher. That's almost a guarantee, I think, is what ends up happening with him. But that's the only one I got. Do you have anybody else to discuss there, Andrew? No, that that was that was the end of my list. And I it, it is definitely going to be interesting because we're way closer to free agency than I <laughs> I really thought. Um, like, like I said, at the onset of this show, it, it's it's surprising to me how fast the offseason has gone up to this point. And so it's going to be fascinating as teams find out what the cap is and find out how they have to get under it or, you know, how they want to strategize to be able to maximize this op- opportunity of having more cap space what they're going to do, who's going to end up on the market that we weren't even anticipating. I, this is going to be a wild and wacky free agent season. The part that confuses me the most is I don't see any other major sports running into this issue. Is the NFL just that reliant on fan money that their cap was hurt this hard? Like, I don't I don't see the NBA running into this problem. I don't see the NHL run or well, not NHL, like MLB running into this issue. So is it just the NFL relies on that much money to take their cap up $25 million or what happened there? No, I, I mean, I, I believe the owners just have a stranglehold over the union so much that um, they're able to sort of, you know, hardball negotiate with them. And quite frankly, the players were offered a reduction in salary last year and declined. And they, they said, we can, we can stretch this out over several years with the new TV deal coming. I think, you know, certainly the owners are being kind of greedy here and uh, taking advantage of the situation that was put in front of them because they don't want to go one year with losing a little bit of money before they go back to making millions and millions each year after that. I I think they, they want to just continue to maximize their profit margins where they can. Is there any, NFL team that's not profitable like I feel like not every single team makes money like between revenue sharing really hard but hard time believing that there's a team that's losing money so looking at this real quick and like I pulled up a quick thing from October of 2020 um the team that made the least amount of money last uh was the Raiders 383 million dollars in revenue the Cowboys made 980 million dollars so and that was so that was uh, that was for the 2019 season. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm sure that they lost money. But even so, like that's still 383 million is still double what the cap was last year. So even if you like didn't make any money in revenue, like from from that, you made money from revenue sharing and from jersey sales and other stuff. So I agree. I think it's just the owners being selfish. But then again, I could talk about that for I, I could talk about that all day. And I don't want to make the people sit here and listen to us talk about all that stuff. Absolutely. So anything else before we wrap up the show? Uh, nope. You can find me on Twitter at GBridgefordNFL, doing content for uh, work, helping with the Cheesehead TV draft guide, doing some draft profiles for the Dynasty Nerds for fantasy stuff, doing some stuff with Rotoballer and Denver Stiffs and a few other places. But all my work ends up on my Twitter. Uh, DMs are always open if you want to talk sports or anything in real life. So 
that's all I got going for me, though. Yeah, definitely. So uh, everybody make sure to check out the Cheesehead TV draft guide. I know pre-orders are coming up shortly. We just had Dan Dalkey on the show on Friday, uh, who is a contributor for the Cheesehead TV draft guide. And I know you you do fantastic stuff for them as well. So um, everybody go check that out. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Gage on Twitter, just like he said, at GBridgefordNFL. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. You can catch Gage and Mike at the regularly scheduled recorded time on Sundays and Kyle and myself on Fridays. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember.